0: Welcome back to the Information and Innovation podcast from Team Defence. Next is our third instalment from the Lognet 182 conference. Mr. Ian Sharp discussing AI and ML.
1: Speaker, um, and we're now getting into the middle of the Big Three. This one now being um, Mr. Ian Sharp from Oracle. Our second speaker today, Ian is head of data innovation for Oracle Europe, Middle East and Africa, as well as Japan and the Pacific. He has over 20 years' experience in data science and machine learning at organisations such as Oracle, <coughs> Microsoft, and Statistics Package for Social Sciences. In the 90s, Ian worked on the first commercial generation of image recognition, um, neural networks, and more recently, with organisations as diverse as Williams F1, the NHS, HSBC, Bloodhound, NASA, and the World of B Project, and that caps um, he was passionate, giving everyone the opportunity to benefit from data science and their life. Um, and he speaks to us today on the evolution of AI and machine learning in an operational environment, developments from the past 20 years. And finally, we'll take a look at a real logistics AI data picture. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ian Sharp.
0: Good uh, morning everybody, keep getting attentive. My thanks for the introduction of the um, So, yeah, what I'm going to be talking about today is, is a number of different things, quite conscious of the fact that there's going on after uh, the, the sustainable warrior. Bot. Um, so, um, so, if, if, if it's to identify hippies and people who like hippies, then, then i clearly not a hippie. Um, so, yeah, thank you for the opportunity to, to talk today. I'm very excited to do so. I'm, I'm going to re- be talking about um, three levels in terms of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. And I guess the basis for standing here is maybe three sort of threefold. One is um, I work with the uh, University of Oxford on their data ethics committee. So, this is across technology um, think tank, uh, and we have reps from Microsoft, and Google, and Facebook, and etc, etc. Et so um, it's a great opportunity for us to learn what all technology companies are thinking about artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, and, and, and interact with, with the university. I also work as a press postperson for, for AI, and do a lot of, sort of meetups and think tanks. Um, and also so Oracle is, oddly enough, still um, the biggest sort of enterprise-based company in the world. And, so um, a lot of systems run on Oracle. And as such, I'd say it's just maybe an excuse to play back at research rather than anything else. So what are we seeing? What What's the good? What's the bad? And, and what's the ugly what's the of that part of there? So I will crack on but I've got a fair amount of material to talk about today. It probably makes sense to start with a, a definition in terms of what we can think about as AI. And really it's a bunch of different <coughs> things. We describe these in terms of the bubbles. So clearly we've got the robotics and the emergence of robotic technologies um, on one side. Uh, but also uh, to another audience it might be data, machine learning and artificial intelligence are things you about in that space. And then in that, in, in that big bubble you'll hear things like uh, machine learning, and then more, um, uh, more recently things like deep learning, and I'll explain a little bit about that, but I'll, I'll do it in the context of a demonstration. Um, and then you'll hear things around artificial general intelligence and the sort of machines and the kind of, sort of sci-fi stuff going forward. But generally speaking, where we are today is generally in the pockets of um, robotics and data. And what we're finding is that um, from a, from a, from a from a solution point of view, the more we can connect these areas, the more value we have in, in, in our solutions. And I think the main <coughs> thing today is like connecting rather than technology. Connecting people and connecting capabilities rather than pure technology. Um, I guess there's a bunch of other bubbles out there. We don't know what they are yet. They're probably going to become really important and scary in the future. Um, but nevertheless, uh, you know, this is the sort of space we're talking about in terms of AI. And I think the first thing i play back, and this is Word for word, what the University of Oxford say is that when it comes to the technology around machine learning and AI, then traditionally the traditional guilds that, 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 that were in place to stop things getting out of it have gone. Okay? So, whether or not we want to control it or not, um, that, that's irrelevant. So, technology companies like ourselves, and, and Larry's sort often said, every technology is the invention of fire and the good of that. Whether or not you believe that sentiment, is completely irrelevant. So the open source, the community, the openness of being able to use this technology is out there uh, uh, in the market. Um, so, you know, the old fashioned guild in terms of uh, the entry points has, has now disappeared, and we should be mindful of that. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to sort of play back some of the sort of presentations I do in a commercial sense, and I'm conscious of the fact that, that might not be directly relevant to what you guys uh, uh, come across in terms of the ethical challenges and issues, uh, but it's probably mindful to. to to, to be aware of that in terms of the, the wider industry. Then I'll get down to the specifics of what sort of things we're doing with artificial intelligence around log- logistics and military operations. Um, and um, so, yeah, as I as hear, the other talk at, at, at data science festivals, Um seems like pretty sad. There's no music, existence, there's no wrong role, there's no mud. There's just techies and fears and stuff like that. People are a the really impressive. Um, and, and so, uh, you yeah. know, a lot of you know, the fear around the sort of Whole area is the idea that things like economic polling, and Frank sort of talked about uh, up to. Um, 15 million jobs being hollowed out in the economy through AI in the next 10 years. I well, or not you exactly believe that, but there's a considerable impact that will, will happen in this space. So, for example, Instagram employed 13 people before they got taken over by Facebook They effectively wipe out the whole of Kodak. So we have, you know, thousands and thousands of jobs. So I guess as a, as, as, a, as a group of people, we need to be mindful of what happens when, you know, what happens when opportunities take away from people. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on in terms of the technology and the responsibilities I think we as technology people have to help that. Uh, and then in, in terms of great sheep and ocean psychographics and all the sort of good stuff that Kenny Valentin came up with. Um, generally speaking, in terms of the commercial thing, I think that the concern, really, is the value of, of that data in terms of you know, who's, where the where value goes. So a couple of examples here. I don't know if you've seen this, this watch. Uh, so it, it, it's a watch that monitors your pulse rate, your speed patterns, your, your energy levels, and stuff like that. And then it bleeds. It basically vibrates when you're being boring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds great. Like, who wants to be boring? You know, but actually, you, know, you think about it and then goes. actually, have you ever met someone who's never ever boring? You know, they're always on, right? They're always funny. They're always got this, like, it kind of pretty exhausting to be around, aren't they? You know, after a while. And um, kind of one-dimensional. Actually, you know, they're not very authentic. actually kind of boring after a while. So, um, so you know, get what you wish for in this whole space uh, in of these applications. And the other thing is, obviously, let's just get into the hands of our children, our, you know, who are, who are sort of and. Growing and you know with issues of security, uh, security uh, and, and self-esteem, you know, and it's a that's making you feel boring all the time. So I think we really have to be very, very cogent about the application of this technology, where it works and where it doesn't work. There are some really good ones. My old employer had a great one, which is this um, Microsoft, which is this um, vision uh, device around their head. And, and uh, there was a developer who's based in Clapham, and he's been blind since I think the age of twelve. And basically, he has the the, the, the whole end around his head. And then he's walking down the street. And he's coming out the tube. He hears a, a noise. It's a kid on a skateboard. It profiles that image in front of him, and then says, "Well, it is." Um, When he's in a a meeting, he can look around and there's some emotion recognition, face recognition. So you can sort of gaze the audience in terms of how they feel and how they're reacting to it. So there's some really, really good applications of this um, in in this whole context. There's some some truly dreadful ones there too. So, mixed bag, good bad. There is a quite funny one. I don't know if you've across this insurance company that a few years ago decided to profile individuals. They did some research and they figured out that tardy people are more likely to crash their cars. So what they decided to do was start profiling Twitter and Facebook. So if you're someone like me, and uh, I'll, I'll see you sometime this evening, and I, I'm a very tiny person, so therefore my, um, my crime trigger goes up. If you're like uh, 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 John, uh, completely organising this sort of thing, um, then then and, and you say, I'm going to see you at 7.15 at this exact location, your crime trigger goes down. Now. I haven't got much good things to say about Facebook. Facebook shut this down pretty quickly. But the problem is, uh, for, for commercial organizations, even if this information got out of there, uh, I- even if they're able to use this as a discriminator in terms of their risk profile, the problem is that information comes out into the public domain very, very quickly. And all that happens is that people start to mask that behavior. They're not suddenly going to get more organized. They're going to pretend they're more organized. They're going to mask their behavior through social media um, to keep their courage, should it it down. Um, so all that's going to happen is the differential is going, going to be lost in a matter of weeks, the race of the bottom gets lost, and the brand gets uh, 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 tarred with the fact that it's a very creepy surveillance kind of brand. So long term, no real value on this. So, you know, two of these first application, we really need to look at the value corridor. You know, enough value for us to make money, uh, but not too much for so the exploit exploiting the customers. And so you simply a rough these kind of stories in this space. And so if anybody wants to talk about grey sheet and algorithms and things like that, we'll have to do that later on. So, some good, some bad. Um, I'm really sort of what we focused on on really positive things here, really in terms of where we're seeing exemplars in terms of the AI capability, machine learning. And I've worked this for for a of, uh, you know, a long, long time in this space. And what I found in the past two or three years is really sort of eclipsed in some sort of the capabilities of the algorithms what went on in the previous 20s. So, um, as, as was alluding to, you know, I worked in this space for, for a long, long time. But for many years the algorithm were okay, but it needs, needs a whole ton of treatment to actually get to get working. And one of the best examples I use here is the um, prescriptions, the dentistry and, and um, dental prescription for from the NHS. So this is a, a well documented story, it seems a, a billion dollars in prescription forms for dentists. It's a very impressive and depressing statistic at the same time. But the machine learning about it, they were crunching through deep, uh, something called a, a support vector machine, a deep learning algorithm, through 5 billion rows of 3,000 attributes. It's a massive vector space, a huge vector space. They're then feeding um, these 90 million prescriptions into a handful of 10 to 15 that an expert, a man on, can analyze and say, this is something going on here. Um, and so the, the universal challenge is fast moving, acid polyglot data being merged. In real time, at speed at volume, doing the most CPU and GPU intensive stuff to it, and then seeking it somewhere secure that they can take action on. So universal, whether you're a telco, or, or whether you're a, a, a defense or logistics or anything else, that's pretty much where everybody's trying to get to, because we know there's value in this data, but we need to merge it, ingest it, and get some action out of it. And that's really quite difficult to do for many organizations. But I still hold the NHS as actually one of the exemplars of actually how to execute this effectively. And I'll come back to a, a really interesting um, case study around um, amputations that we're undertaking at the moment and how I think it shines a light on the key things for artificial intelligence and, and, and logistics. The other <coughs> thing I wanted to talk about, which is actually sort of, um, extraordinary, is uh, this new project that we're working with, the uh, World Bee Project, and, and it works on a number of different levels. So clearly, you know, it's about pollination, so we all know it's a disaster what, what's going on with bees food, 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 food and, and the like. Um, uh, it's actually interesting from a social perspective because the number of livelihoods that come from farming is huge, um, and uh, yeah, it, it's one uh, over a billion people. Um, uh, require livings from farming, so we go to places like South Africa, and a lot of the kids from townships and to places like that will actually be keeping beans and sustaining beans because it's a much more lucrative way than, 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 than dealing drugs for these kind of people. And similarly, we're looking at opportunities around, you know, to, to sort of give people, the opportunities is working in communities and hives around this, uh, in communal gardens with different generations of people and just connecting those kind of individuals. From a data point of view, one of the things I'm passionate about is actually giving the opportunity for people other than me to have livelihoods in data science. So the problem is, the guy like me, traditionally, we've talked about things like using pandas and Jupiter and Anaconda and things like that. And 1% of the room will know <coughs> what I'm talking about. And them are saying, what the heck is this guy, guy saying here? So I want to break down those barriers. Because actually, the reality is that that's a technology reason for people not to do this. And we want to make um, the opportunity for people to have livelihoods in data um, much more diverse. So we've got the entrepreneurial spirit to divert those ideas towards um, data career as well. Uh, data is extraordinary. So basically, what it is, they have got these intelligent hives. They fit underneath a uh, 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 sort of intelligent sensor. They fit underneath the beehive, uh, and it monitors things like the room temperature and um, all that sort of stuff, the, you know, the humidity. But it also has a microphone on the side of of the hive itself. So it's recording huge volumes of bee data, like mm. buzzing around. <coughs> no, <not very coughs> But these these hives generate two terabytes of data a second. So it's huge data. Um, And the analytics they can create on this are absolutely extraordinary. I think to the point about logistics, what we're starting to see is that image data is really interesting, acoustic data is, is actually the next level of to sort of what we can do. So for example, we've got this concept of something called a warble. And apparently, I've, I've become a massive bee more bee in the last three weeks. So I'm going to say, apparently, the, the bees do something called a warble. And before they swarm, or leave the swarm, the, the frequency distribution of um, their activity is totally different. So on the left hand side, so you've got a spectral frequency distribution, um, you know, low frequencies, high frequencies, and the range of those, the amplitude of, of, of that data. Um, for a normal high you can see it's slightly there, but it's fairly stable, as opposed to one that's about to swarm and leave the next. This is big news. This is really interesting for the big news. Obviously, if they use their high, they leave their, their honey yield. Uh, but actually, this is be predicted 21 days in advance um, of that particular event happening. So the data is actually really, really sensitive in terms of what we can pull from it. There's An interesting story from from Depra, Have any of you guys heard of this uh, invasive species called the giant Asiatic hornet? Yeah. Okay, so it's really bad news. Apparently. So basically, these, 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 these. Um, I think they've found three nests in this country. Um, and when they've done it, they, when they nest in canopy trees, they're a huge nests, lots and lots of queens very hard to see and then they found three and they sent Decker out with a police helicopter to neutralize the threat they aren't that much of a big deal because what happens is that the bees these bee corners they take away bees when they come back and the bees become too frightened to fly in this country so that's that's the real problem um what these guys have done with this technology is in all this buzz data they can identify the sound of one of these corners as opposed to a normal bee vibrating around the next one and they're not particularly sophisticated um uh, Microservice mm-hmm. putting on there. So, based on on that happening, we can then send an alert through to DEFRA say, in this area, we've identified one of these points, and they can take action on that via a drone or whatever else they're trying to do. So, um, the data process, so in terms of that, we, we merge, we collect re- relational data, we merge geospatial data, we merge this new fancy uh, AI data, and we put it into a massive hub, we crunch it, we automate that, we apply it artificial intelligence, and we sync it out into a stream take action upon. So is an interesting process it, at its heart. But the base is mind-blowing. So we're really excited about that um, on many levels. Social level. Um, and the other thing that, that's very interesting from this, so we've got a number of different initiatives around the world. So um, you we're know, doing places like Israel around the food security um, sites there. There's a whole bunch of interesting work that we're doing with those guys. Um, some of the other places uh, around uh, inner city areas in England. The Oracle campus. On and so forth. And what's really intriguing about this is it's how, actually, um, beams are a massive connector for people. So people get very excited about the beam. They're interesting stories. And it's a good way to sort of connecting people in an incubation um, uh, environment. So artificial intelligence, but very much giving it as a way that people can get involved in rather than they're excluded from, that, from, the, from the opportunity. And then the final thing that I say in this whole space is a lot of people talk about this, this job type of uh, data scientist. I, I was previously described as data science. i believe data science for Oracle in the UK as well, and Ireland, which is my Microsoft their data science um, practices. I'm actually a statistician. I just grew a beard, hoped for a pay rise, didn't get one, you know, kind of um, But the, the problem I have is, you know, you have these very esoteric communities being full of data scientists. And this is taken from a, um, a part of ours that, you know, you go to the website we you ask all of our questions and it comes up with great offer. And this is my, my profile of, 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 of me as a data scientist. So I'm good on the set side, I'm really, really comfortable there. Not too you the programming, but backgrounds in, in, in uh, things like Python a Bit and, and R. I'm really, okay communicating, not very pretty when it comes to technology, etc. Tech, tech. um, and, 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 and that's me as a data scientist. And the reality is that when we see people looking for the data scientists, they ask for all these people. So you've got to be an expert at visualising, technology, programming, everything. These people don't exist. This is probably fine. If, if they did, they're working for a sociopathic startup in Palo Alto. They're not going to come work with you guys. you should probably be grateful for that. What it really sort of says is this is a team sport. So you've got IT working in a certain space. You've got the, 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 um, the, the DevOps community working in a certain space. You've got new. Um, modellers, and working in effective project, and that's where we need to stuff working. Um, and the evidence to that is, is CERN. I mean, CERN is one of our sort of big, you know, so big data, petabyte data, or something nuts like that. Um, you know, all their, they're triple PhDs. they only ever last nine months because they're on a <coughs> But CERN use good old-fashioned uh, visualization tools for quite a lot of their, their, their projects, actually. Um, you know, they are not necessarily writing code for every single thing that they need to do. So our message is if it's good enough for light of serve, then it's pretty much good enough for lights of any of our data scientists to be going to hire. So again, opening opening the message up. So that's sort of a little bit of background in terms of what I wanted to say. The other thing I wanted to come on is a you know, demonstration we've created <coughs> here. And, and this is probably the most, uh, 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 the most interesting thing about um, that I come across, and that's that something's really changed in the past two or three years when it comes to the algorithms. So back when I was at Microsoft, we still struggled to tell the difference between a cat and a dog, actually. Okay, um, when it came to AI, so there was some way to go. What I've noticed in the past two or three years is the algorithms are really, really good, and it's probably down to two things. One is down to probably, um, our kids, the gamer communities, the online communities. you have got kind of kids playing Fortnite and things like that. Yeah, yeah, you've got them the bank, if you like me, um, <laughs> as well. And um, so it's, 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 it's a huge difference of processing and actually the corpus of data. And I'll show you an example in a, in a demo we've built. So this is what we're talking about in terms of acid and probably AI pattern here. Um, and so the idea is you've got a whole bunch of different um, disparate sources here, you know, um, files and events, you need to ingest those at speed. You've got this innovation layer where you want to do a bunch of, or your bright guy's want to do a bunch of different stuff to it. Uh, and it can be anything from classic machine learning, proprietary stuff, open source, TensorFlow, et cetera, et cetera, to maybe using some of the new um, data structures that are really useful for us. So if you're aware of things like um, um, some of the homeless uh, applications uh, around things like um, uh, uh, sock pockets, concepts like that, and fake bots and and, the like, and how you detect those kind of individuals, when it comes down to some of these new ways that we hold data, so property graphs, for example. But the idea is that we've got massive smuggler board where we want to do as many things to our data with as little friction as possible, and then we want to sink it into our operational environment. So we've created this um, for an application I can probably share with you. I'll I'll join the dots. The example I'm going to show here is is what's called Puppies on Beaches. Um, So it's, it's a tank. Uh, those are uh, uh, deep learning data science jokes. It's pretty funny. <laughs> 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 and it's a failure of the war in some regions Google that Google it. But, but the question this sort of is we've got too much data, right? Uh, we need to follow it down at speed, at volume, and we need to do something to it. We need to um, um, merge this data from different sides, and actually, that's really a lot harder than, than a lot of us thought it would be. Um, the fancy deep learning about and data that, science now, that's actually quite straightforward. The hard thing is getting into, into a zone of interest quickly. Um, can we find, so we take all this data, can we find anomalies clusters of behaviour? Can we find uh, hidden concepts in that text that, that it's uh, generating? This is an interesting one when we took from um, Bloodhound. Um, can AI generate ideas? You know, we talk about AI uh, and machines not being creative, then, and, and, and they certainly are What they lack is taste and judgement. So Bloodham basically used AI to create a whole bunch of ideas around how the, the car would look. And some of them were completely crazy. I don't even remember the wacky races from when you were kids. that images all over the place. But that's not really the point. <coughs> the idea is that the man on top of whether they are actually effective. So that's kind of an really interesting thing. Who, who are the key influences themselves within the network? I think you know what we're talking about here in terms of you know, the real demonstration of the little design faculty we have here. How do they communicate? How do they behave with each other? Um, are there any images on their websites uh, in terms of, of videos um, that, that we could correlate to their uh, um, uh, 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 Twitters and, and any other sort of piece of information and watch list information that we've got on these people? And can we spot objects of in interest in real time and, and, and take action on <laughs> them? So in this particular case, we just looked at a, a, an example of puppies. We took this, all this image data we processed it in the other and we sunk it into a zone of interest, uh, in, in, in this case, a beach. Now, we've got a short time, are that. Are you okay? you have got two minutes to right? spare Okay, good. Um, now, this is where it gets really kind of interesting and scary. So, um, so I use a package called... <laughs> Um, this is where it gets really interesting to So I use a package for deep learning for Java. So um, many, many of you will know that in terms of the, the area of deep learning, by this we mean machine learning on images and, um, and textual data and, and, and all that sort of stuff all stuff. So things like TensorFlow and Google, it's a great, really, really strong package in this space and there's some newer ones that we are playing around with as well. So there's one called Deep for Java, um, and I have got this model here. It's called a convolutional network, and what it went to do is go and identify that particular image of a puppy. Actually, in this case, it was it was terrorist. That's who we really want really in this case. But in this particular data set, it was um, puppies. Now, the super remarkable thing about this code, in this case, one is um, the data set itself isn't actually that big. It's a question. Uh, I think we had 2,000 targets, and by targets we'd be things we're looking to predict. And this data set could have puppies, or um, assault rifles, or chocolate syrup, or chocolate sauce. It was non-subject specific. MS code, that's generic. Um, the algorithm itself, I didn't really choose, as a guy like me, i spent years t- tweaking these kind of algorithms with decay rates, lambda functions, and leaky rainy functions, stuff like that. We didn't tweak this algorithm at all for any purposes. So, we then loaded up this image into a beach of a puppy, remember what it was? <coughs> puppy. Problem, what it came up with was so it was a 97% chance it was a gold retriever puppy and a 0.2% chance it was a labrador retriever puppy. Um, I don't even know the difference between a gold retriever and a labrador puppy. Um, I'm the expert, obviously. Um, but what's remarkable about like that is that's without any at all. and this is purely down to um, the quality of data and how the, the results have been taken so, um, so this was bearing in mind, uh, and, and the more sensitive data we put into this, and actually it was it actually very good sort of things we were looking for, which is um, um, sort of writing was best in a certain area. And then what we did was we submitted the zone. The interest in this case was it was, a, um, it was a stream, so it was around the beach. And we profiled that and once we found those once we found those split, <coughs> we were then able to use a capture topic to make that happen in real time. So the point about that though was that actually the algorithms have got very, very good very very quickly in this whole sort of space. But really the algorithms are just one sort of tiny piece of that. What you've got to do is join them together, process them at speed and then put them somewhere secure. So that's actually much more mundane processing and data management all this stuff. Um, but nevertheless, it's, it's, it's been quite an eye quite as I've worked in this space for 20 years. These things are getting really good the because of the sentiment analysis as well, and uh, NLP, it's kind of scary. So this is what we do. this is what processes process is, you know, and this is, this is any logistic process. It doesn't matter what technology you're using, you're ingesting data, you need to acquire that speed and volume. You need to acquire some degree of governance around this. Um, yeah, and processing through that, this whole process. We put it into this innovation layer, if you like, so you have bright people innovating and wrangling with it. You want to give them as much choice as possible in terms of the <coughs> way they use, but you want to make that simple and secure, and actually be able to get that value into production. Uh, you want to model that, and then feed into an operational pipeline. Uh, and in this particular case, we use a whole bunch of stuff. So we look at on, uh, ontology, and statenometry, and all the sort of things that we pre process data around. We um, but the point is that really um, you know, connecting is the key. There's lots of discrete elements of technology that are doing bits and bobs to this. You it, you'll be able to run in five minutes. But actually getting it all together, working together, is difficult, so secret tricky. be fast. So that's the AI and, and ML um, pipeline. The other thing that's really interesting, I'm working with um, some of the chaps on this opportunity, is the role that AI has to play in process. And we have seen this in other organisations, and I'll give you an example. Um, we're working with the NHS at the moment. A project in, in Manchester alone, they spend half a million um, pound a year amputating feet from type two diabetes. Um, and apparently, when it gets to a uh, no expert, apparently when it gets to the stage where there's an ulcer on your foot, you've about twenty four hours to do something about it; otherwise, you're going to lose it. Um, and we've been working with some of their research guys and they're getting really good in terms of being able to take a photograph of a person's foot, send that through into a box, and say, is that just a rash or, 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 or a sore, or is that something you've actually got to do something about? So the technology is really good and really, really interesting. But actually, the technology is just one part of that process. And what it does do is it shines a light on the overall process, which is education, GP, awareness. Like this. So I think when we're going forward with, with AI as the answer um, for logistics in, in, in any organisation, and you can imagine how complicated the NHS is, and I'm sure it's, I mean, it's, complicated. it's something you have to deal with. What we're finding is that AI is great because people don't listen to people anymore. But they, you know, if they've got a bunch of IT guys going about problems and then games and protests, it's boring, to listen, they will listen to you if you start talking about AI. Uh, and what this will do is, if you pull that into the conversation. What it does is expose it to the wider issue: what AI is really good for, but actually how that sits and connects to, to how people operate. This is my view, anyway. So, um, accelerating the manifest, I think, probably is, is is the key thing. AI is the sort of shiny thing that gets people's attention. Imagine the solution is going to be big. Part so, um, so that's some of the good. That's some of the bad. Um, in terms of in terms of the ugly. Um, so, just to give a concept, I mean, there's someone So, this is me with, with Kiddo. And um, so, one of the most, we have this application called um, celebislikeme.com. Basically, what you do is you load up the photograph and it runs against IMDB and it finds the celebrity that you most look like. This is who I most look like. <laughs> In the world. In the world. I'm not a little bit wounded by this. Um, um, but you know the reason it doesn't is this is based on imagery. So I guess the point about this is that there's ways to go, um, but actually what this is missing, hopefully, is, is the context to the problem. So that's how we see sort of AI and machine learning working with people, augmenting intelligence. Brilliant. Thank you. So just to summarise, um, augmentation of, of, of human intelligence. Um, and AI is often best. Many problems can be solved by um, a brute force and, and some of the mundane things have been around for a number of years. The algorithms are getting really good, really, really good. Um, and I guess the you know, genes out the bottles, so the good and bad use case up to you. That's it, thank you for listening.